Hey everyone, welcome to Season 2 of Building Infinite Red, a podcast where the owners of Infinite Red, Todd Worth, Jamin Holmgren, and Gant Laborde, share stories and insights about what it's like to build a fully remote software consultancy. In this episode, Todd, Jamin, Justin, and Gant discuss the fine art of handling meetings. All right, let's get into it. Welcome back to Building Infinite Red. My name is Todd Worth. I'm founder and CEO of Infinite Red. Today I'm joined by three people, the other two owners of the company, Jamin Holmgren. Hey, everybody. And Gant Laborde. Welcome, friends. You might know him as Gant Laborde uh, if you're uh, a listener to this podcast. And then returning with us is the head of design here at Infinite Red, Justin Husky. Hey, thanks for having me back. Very cool. So today I think uh, this is going to be a fun one. It's something we all love to hate. We're going to discuss Meetings. Yes, meetings where productivity goes to die. <laughs> first off, we have a variety of things we want to talk about. The first thing we're going to talk about is we are leadership here at Infinite Red, so we force people into more meetings than most, as is leaders' jobs to torment uh, the team. <laughs> um, but first thing I want to uh, start off real quick is everyone hates meetings. We know it. We hate meetings. I want to hear from each of you. Why do you personally dislike or hate meetings? You know, I'll, I'll go throw this back to my cubicle days for a minute here. Your head's down. You're getting something fantastic done. And then the next thing you know, someone's standing over you saying, hey, it's time. It's time to go to that meeting. And you're like, okay, who's running it? And what is it about? And it's, of course, it's, it has nothing to do with your currently thinking about. It has nothing to do with anything else. And you know that the person running that meeting is basically going to be finding their way as they go through it. <laughs> and then you're just sitting there for an hour. And I have a badge when I used to work at a cubicle. It says, uh, congratulations, you survived another meeting that could have been an email. <laughs> I think I have a mug that says that. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, uh, it's, it's a common sentiment. And I share it, of course, as well. In fact, uh, back when I ran my own consultancy, I actually often would uh, just kind of say, okay, we're not going to have any meetings at all this week. Like we just, we just kind of Mm -hmm. forego it entirely. Uh, I had Justin's looking at me kind of funny because he used to work for me back then. But this was probably predating Justin. Um, as, as we got bigger, it became harder and harder uh, to do because meetings are about communication. But yeah, I didn't like them. Uh, it was, it was, um, it was always, it always felt like uh, very little was accomplished uh, for the amount of time spent. And the disruption was definitely a big piece of it. Definitely. And, uh, you know, for me, it's like, since I'm working on projects, we talk a lot about doing work in meetings. And uh, as it turns out, over a couple of weeks of meetings, you realize you haven't done any work. So <laughs> that's uh, the main reason for me. Well, you know what they said, if you're uh, running out of time, have a meeting and that will definitely improve the situation. <laughs> Who says that? Uh, <laughs> no one says that. When I used to work a, for enterprise in the enterprise, typically for clients and stuff, I have so many funny stories. But this highlights why I hate meetings. Like, we had a forty-five minute meeting about some problem that happened, and we spent forty-five minutes determining whose fault it was, um, and zero time working on fixing the problem. Similarly, another meeting was. Um, Every time we are brainstorming new ideas, every time someone said something, and I think probably three ideas during the entire hour meeting were ever brought up, we would have long discussions whether that idea is inside 
or outside the box. <laughs> it, was, it was very important that we identify that whether this is inside or outside the box. That seemed like the most important thing. So I would say I hate meetings where they don't actually move what you're trying to accomplish forward at all. Anyone else have any uh, reasons they hate meetings? Uh, don't hold back. Come on. Tell me what you say when uh, <laughs> I when you leave my meeting. I know I know you say stuff. Often meetings seem to be kind of proxies for, you know, actually having a good decision-making process and, and showing leadership and communicating in more efficient ways. Um, meetings solve things extremely inefficiently, but they solve things. And so uh, if you're kind of a lazy leader, you can just solve it by saying, hey, everybody get together and let's figure it out all together. Uh, never mind um, doing the hard work of coming up with a better path and coming up with a better way to make those decisions, better ways to communicate the decisions once they're made, better ways to gain uh, to gather feedback, for example. That's that's a big one. Like uh, you want to get feedback, you can do it in a meeting. It definitely works. But, you know, it, it, so that's why people kind of hate it, because it does feel like lazy leadership in a lot of cases. Huh. Yeah, it's like a conference room, five minutes. <laughs> I think that that's what we really dislike is we don't dislike meetings. Everyone dislikes a poor meeting, mm-hmm. a meeting that actually doesn't successfully accomplish anything where people are not listening and they're all on their phones, but you still feel like you have to be there. That's what we really hate. We're the leaders of Infinite Red. We hate meetings. We actually have lots of meetings. <laughs> so why the heck? Next thing I want to talk about is if we hate meetings so much, why do we have so many meetings? Jamin, you had mentioned that meetings accomplish tasks poorly, but at least they accomplish tasks. Could you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, well, I think that um, humans are actually kind of hardwired to communicate more face-to-face. Um, and in our case, of course, we're a remote company, so we do it in Zoom. But that doesn't really change the fact that we are hardwired to do that. Uh, you know, people standing in a circle talking about something. That's kind of like you could have done that in the caveman days. This is pretty pretty far back in our history. And, um, and because we're hardwired to do that, we do have ways to you know, kind of built into us to handle those situations and to make decisions, to gather feedback. Uh, and this is a big part of cooperating as humans. Uh, we, you know, a business is a cooperation of many humans and you need to be able, you need to be able to, um, coordinate activities. You need to be able to, uh, get on the same page in terms of priorities. You need to make sure that you, uh, understand why decisions are made and what decisions were made, uh, so that when you are doing things, you're not pulling in opposite directions and well-run companies have good communication. This is actually something that is, uh, borne out over and over and over that communication is super key to having, you know, clear objectives and being able to attain them. And sometimes I would almost say often uh, meetings are kind of the most general purpose tool you can use to accomplish that. And if you use a more specialized tool, which we may talk about in some cases, uh, you're going to miss out on uh, some of the things that meetings will more or less accomplish. I feel like I feel like you have meetings when you don't know what else to do. Yeah, it's like it's like, yes, we understand it's the worst option, but it's the only option. Uh, Justin, why do we still have meetings? You're you run the design team. Yeah, you you don't like meetings. Why do you have meetings? Because uh, that's just what you do. 
Uh, you have meetings when you get into leadership. <laughs> nice. So you, you you saw a cartoon once of a, le- a leader, yeah. and that's why you do it. That's just okay. what you do. Um, no, I think it's a. Uh, I think Jamin actually said it really well that humans, by nature, are very collaborative. Especially in design, we're very collaborative and are very interested in uh, seeing each other and talking to each other when we're trying to solve a problem. Um, but outside of that, I also think it's just a way to hear from your team in a way that I don't think text will communicate sometimes. Uh, I think part of communication is just being able to read uh, visual cues and body language. And I think meetings are actually good for that. It's kind of the first step in problem solving is to uh, agree to it together. Yeah, that's interesting. What do you think, Gant? Yeah, well, you, you know, know what? <laughs> go ahead. I was just going to interrupt you, proving why meetings suck. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> well done, Todd. Well done. Uh, you know, I'll toss on just a little bit extra that's that's kind of building infinite red here, is that we're remote. If you don't know that, listen to the, season one, you know, why we're remote, also our remote tools. But what's really important here is we're staring at text and we are typing to one another. And I'll say one thing that's kind of key at Infinite Red is that a meeting is a high bandwidth, you know, it's connection between people. And there's just some things that you could type a book and you can't communicate it nearly as well as actually sitting in a room and staring at someone and having them tell you their side of the story. Uh, the high bandwidth aspect of a meeting does what paperwork and metrics and the dehumanization and your employee number never could. It's funny. The or don't have meetings that could have been emails. I mean, I laugh at that. Mm-hmm. Everyone laughs at that. But here's from a boss's standpoint. Here's the honest truth. How do I get you to read the email? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the truth. Like, I don't know how many times I've brought up something and be like, what? I'm like, there was a big, we have an announcement channel on Slack. Did where you you're get supposed to the read memo? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I went to a conference last week and they sent out an email, the parking directions. And the person went to the front. I, I saw the entire exchange said, you need to tell me the parking directions. This is, this is something that's not okay. And it basically turned into, why didn't you just read the email conversation? Uh, and it got pretty heated pretty quickly. And it's just funny how much we turn off when we're not actually talking to another person. Yeah, so there, that's the main reason. But the other thing is meetings don't have to be... Uh, you know, a lecture and listening. One of we'll talk about some of the ways we're approaching making meetings better. But I do want to point out there are what I consider a work session where you get a group of people. It could be two people, it could be four people, and we're here working on an actual task, which means we're showing someone's screen. It's very different than a meeting where I'm just giving out information that you may not have read in an email. Yeah, that's that's a great point, Todd. And I think one of the things that I, I look at is when you're having a meeting and you're you even if you are sort of doing more of a presentational style meeting, you can read people's body language. If you can kind of feel like they're not really getting it, they're not really enthusiastic about this, you have a chance to kind of reset. Where if you send it out as an email, it feels more like a declaration. It's written down as law. And then what happens is, you know, the person who kind of disagrees with the direction now has to make a choice. They have to do something a little more proactive, a little more kind of 
active where they come out and they say, I don't agree with this. And it feels more confrontational. Whereas if you're just sort of like looking at them with a puzzled look a little bit, you get this, uh, this chance maybe to have them sit back and say, okay, well, um, you're not getting something like let's, let's talk this through. Definitely. And I, that's a good point, Jim. And I also think too, uh, in design, a lot of what we do. And one of the things I've actually learned, uh, from years of, of being in your meetings is that it's a good opportunity to not just offload information, but to kind of sit back. And um, there's that kind of leadership principle of sitting back, listening to everybody, taking in all of the information, and then making a decision afterwards. And that's uh, one of the best ways, in my opinion, to run a meeting. I do want to mention that if any of our team members are listening right now and they're throwing something at their monitor, and screaming how bad our meetings are. We are far from perfect, <laughs> and we have some pretty bad meetings. Um, but we're going to talk about a little about what we've tried to do to fix it. It's an ongoing thing. Um, I'm certainly guilty of bad meetings, for sure. That being said, uh, I'd like to just go over, uh, describe what type of meetings we have. Now, I do want to reiterate, we're a remote company, but we use ridiculous amounts of Zoom uh, on a daily basis. So I'm kind of like to go over the kind of meetings that we have, that other people have, what the differences are, that kind of stuff. I think one that kind of um, stands out to everybody is our all team meeting. It's the meeting where we bring everybody into Zoom uh, and we all we all group up. And um, in the past, we've uh, traditionally done kind of announcements. Then um, we've also we have, we have different segments. It's an it's an hour. We do it every two weeks, and we have different segments. Gantt runs a really cool segment called the Bulletin Board. Um, Gantt, you want to talk about what the Bulletin Board is? Yeah, it's a it's a great breakout session to sort of reinvigorize the meeting with some uh, anything that's interesting that's not work. So it helps us personalize one another, it helps us kind of get that energy back into what's going on. And it helps us celebrate, you know, that we're actually human beings. I used to be the person who'd laugh when you would put uh, other interests on a resume. <laughs> but I think that's really more important, the older and the more I get into uh, leadership and communicating, I think those are key. Yeah, it really helps kind of humanize Infinite Red when we're not standing around uh, talking to each other all the time. It uh, it allows a peek into everybody's life. For example, I did a bulletin board showing uh, the pool that I built in my backyard um, uh, as a pool deck around it and stuff. So it was kind of an interesting thing. And I showed people what that looked like. So the all team meeting exists primarily and we do feel that this is important. We've made it very, you know, try to make it as least onerous as possible. Uh, by only having it every two weeks. Um, but it is a required meeting for everybody to be there. Um, and the reason that uh, we as owners feel that it's very important is primarily because we're remote. We feel like uh, we don't get a chance to sit there and kind of hang out with each other on a day-to-day basis. So getting everybody together for an hour and just spending an hour together uh, really makes a difference. And maybe Todd uh, can talk a little bit more about what makes the all-team meeting important to us. The truth is when the all team meeting comes up and at 1 p.m. on Tuesday, people are working on stuff and everyone's like, oh, got to go to the all team. I get that. Uh, I'm working on something also. But we've had a situation in the past where people did express the issue that they feel disconnected from people they don't work with a lot. A lot of people work in the same groups a lot, often and not work with other people and stuff. And they don't even know the what someone's voice sounds like. So even though... 
I'm sure, you know, plenty of people would rather be back doing what they're working on. I think the most important part is just to inter interact with each other. Uh, I'll talk about a little more about things we've done wrong. I think I've done the all team meeting wrong for a long time and actually right in the process of changing it. But, um, but that's why, uh, other types of meetings in design one-on-one -on -one meetings have actually become really core to who we are as a team. I, I do a one-on-one -on -one meeting with everybody in the design department every two weeks, and that's an opportunity for them to tell me kind of where they're at, the kind of challenges they're facing, and asking for advice, help, things like that. It's not so much a meeting where I'm talking with them. It's much more of a meeting where I'm listening to them and they're talking to me about what's going on. And I've noticed a lot of ideas that we've implemented in our design process have come from those one-on-one -on -one meetings and um, they've been, they've become invaluable. Yeah, that's interesting. You do, you do more one-on-ones than anyone else in the company. Mm -hmm. uh, I think designers are a little more up for that. I think the engineers would hate it <laughs> doing that, doing one-on-ones that often, to be honest. What other type of meetings would people like to talk about? I mentioned a bunch of different types. Uh, we can go in later about how we're improving and how we're failing at meetings and that stuff, but I just want to kind of get the kind of meetings that we do so people understand the whole thing. Well, I think you kind of pointed it out right there. Our meetings actually have types. When I worked in an office, there was just, we didn't think about different meeting types at all. You got called into a conference room and you behaved like you were in a conference room. If you got called into someone's office, you kind of behaved like you were in someone's office. Since we work in remote, I think that the most advantageous thing that we've done is we've started to catalog and create how do a bunch of people who are constantly in the same place, which is a meeting where we're all just a picture talking to each other, we, we actually treat them differently. That's why we have one-on-ones. That's why we actually, if you've read our blog posts, we have gigs and jams. We have all kinds of different strategies. And I'm sure we could talk endlessly. I'm, we'll probably talk about a bunch of ways that we've done that and, and improved our meetings. But you have to understand, What's really key here is our creative process is going to require a certain type and our actually our all team meeting requires another. I'd like to talk about the small group meetings. <clears throat> so this came out of a conversation that Justin and I had um, actually at another another type of meeting that we do, which is our lunch meetings. But I, I was taking over as CTO. I was taking over our technical team. And uh, I was looking at the prospect of having to do one-on-ones with every engineer and just thinking this is not going to happen because, you know, there were 16 or 18 engineers and this was looking at the amount of time I had available. It's just not going to happen. I, I can't, I can't spend that much time doing one-on-ones. So as we were talking at lunch, um, I asked Justin if he had any ideas on how I might approach this problem of having, you know, 18 engineers and, and needing to, you know, spend generally speaking, I need to spend some time face to face with them to kind of get an idea of what they're facing and, and issues that are kind of coming along. It very different than maybe a, a one on one from an employee perspective. Uh, so there's kind of two different things there. And so Justin suggested that I do like breaking, break them, break the team up into groups of four or so and uh, have them. So I actually created four groups. Um, and then I did a one on four or one on team, I call it that where, where I get a chance to talk with them and kind of ask each of them in turn, 
you know, how their projects are going, what concerns they might have, you know, talk about various things in a very, in a small group setting. It was really great. Now these don't, uh, these don't take the place of, uh, actual one-on-ones. So went back to Todd and and Gantt and we talked about the actual one-on-ones and Todd and Gantt, since I was kind of taking on those one-on-fours and Justin was doing the one-on-ones with the design team, which kind of takes the bulk of the team in terms of, um, uh, doing uh, more of or more of the like like the technical or design uh, focused m- uh, meetings face to face meetings, but we still need to do the employee meetings. So Gant and Todd decided and uh, agreed to take those on, and so they uh, periodically will go through the team and do one on ones with everybody. It doesn't matter if you're a designer, project manager you know, uh, whatever they go through and do one-on-one meetings and they share that load. Still a big job, still a lot of people to go through and it it probably won't scale forever. Uh, but that's, that's kind of where we're at with that. But the small group meetings have been very helpful for us. We do, uh, once a month I get together with each uh, small group. So I do four of those a month and, uh, we talk about, you know, whatever, whatever's come up and, and I get a good sense for kind of keep a finger on the pulse of, of the design or the engineering team. Cool. Uh, before we move on, uh, any other descriptions people want to talk about the type of meetings we have? Well, I'd, I'd like you to talk maybe Todd about the owners meetings that we do. Uh, this is okay. something we did very early on. And yeah. So, uh, if you haven't listened to our podcast, we don't have we don't have a king or a more traditional CEO, even though that's my title. We make decisions as a quorum of the three owners, uh, which is a more complicated, messy process. But we feel the it works well for us. Anywho, we decided that we would like to get together the three of us in person once a quarter, and we typically all fly to one location. We used to uh, do it at different locations based on the geography, but we tend to do it now at my house in Las Vegas, mainly because it's the same distance from Portland, Oregon, where Jamin comes from, and New Orleans, where Gant comes from. So it's just convenient. Plus, I have guest bedrooms and that kind of thing. So um, that's really nice because we tend to talk about bigger things. Frankly, if, if we're, if we're talking about an actual getting something accomplished, like we need to have a holiday schedule or we need to figure out benefits, that's actually easier to do in zoom. We're all at our computers and we can work on the document together. So we use, uh, the owners meetings in person really to talk about bigger issues, to have a two hour conversation about something that we never had time to talk about that kind of stuff, philosophical directions to go in that kind of stuff and ultimately just to let us hang out and build that kind of trust because this kind of partnerships very much like a marriage and we do argue with each other and we need to be able to learn how to fight with each other and get over and stuff and and that's one of the places we can we can expand on that in addition to that we also do uh two to three times a week we do owners meetings in zoom and um we did this really early on even when it was uh me todd and and ken as owners uh we decided that us spending you know three three meetings a week an hour each seems kind of ridiculous when you think about it like that's way too much time you know what what would you have to talk about for that amount of time and i think gap was probably <laughs> a little shocked how often and how long we were meeting um more than an hour I, often yeah often <laughs> more than an hour but it was really about, we identified very early on, and I think I talked about this in the first uh, season, 
that the biggest existential threat to Infinite Red was that we would have a falling out as as owners. We identify that as the biggest issue. And um, it was why we had built the trust in order that we're, we were able to kind of go through the, the big changes that we talked about in the first episode of the season uh, where, where Ken left the company without having it be a company ending event because of the amount of time and investment in our relationship and talking and making sure that we are all on the same page. So that meeting right there, like those, those meetings right there are, you know, there wasn't really another way to do it. There wasn't really a, an asynchronous way to build that trust. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was, I think something that to me was even more key than the in-person ones. I think doing that every week consistently, week in, week out, it was, was what really built that trust. I'd like to move on to what hasn't worked for us. And after we discuss that, we're going to talk about how we're trying to improve that, uh, techniques we've used and that kind of stuff. But first, uh, let's have a little bit of vulnerability here and discuss either what you think I'm doing wrong in meetings, someone else is doing wrong, or what you personally have done wrong in meetings. And let's, uh, let's disrobe and get vulnerable. (laughs) It's true. Justin, could you start us off? Let us know. Uh, tell us all about what you've done wrong, please. Uh, once I, uh, (laughs) rolled out a big giant banner and asked my team to remember every time they're doing something to look at it and say, is this good for the company? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Office space uh, reference there, for those who don't get it. Had to, yeah. (laughs) Uh, For me, you know, one of the... One of the things that, looking back, uh, was just being prepared, to be honest. I... A lot of times I would go into meetings and think that it would just kind of naturally flow together. And sometimes it does, and sometimes you can get away with it. But more often than not, for me at least, it would just kind of crash and burn. And so it would start out really well. And then the longer it went on, people realized they just kind of felt like they were wasting their time in them. And so especially talking, um, you know, with clients where you got to kind of put on a little bit more of a show, uh, we spend a lot more time now preparing for it spent a lot more time coming up with agendas and stuff like that. Um, but uh, it, it's still, it's a work in progress, to be honest, because <laughs> uh, the easiest way is to just kind of jump into a meeting and think you'll work it all out as it goes along. So, Thank you, Justin. Uh, Gant, what do you do wrong? Uh, absolutely nothing, Todd. Which is, uh... <laughs> <laughs> you, you're, 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 you're a perfectionist. You. you work too hard. Um, <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> yes. uh, too committed. Um, that's right. Too committed, yes. This, 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 you... this isn't an interview again. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Oof. All right. Well, I'm taking this uh, tuxedo off, if y'all don't mind. One second. All right. <laughs> I, I'll have to say that when I'm in a meeting with people, I generally, I have, I have little patience, actually. That's probably the worst part for me, is that sometimes we'll, we'll communicate something and it'll be clear to, I don't know, two-thirds of what's going on f- for most people. <laughs> and then I, I honestly, I, will, I will think maybe a person isn't paying attention. <laughs> and that bothers me to no end. So I think that I think it's because I'm a stickler and I like to prepare. Those kinds of things end up bothering me. Uh, 
which has led me to try to lead more interesting meetings. Uh, we all know how that's going. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry again. Uh, I missed that. Could you repeat? Yeah, that? no problem, Todd. You <laughs> jerk. Okay. <laughs> that's actually a real. There you go. That that was a real meeting. <laughs> I think it is harder to pay strict attention during remote meetings sometimes because there yeah. are things on your desktop blinking and beeping at you that want your attention. You know, Twitter is, you can look at Twitter while appearing to look at your camera. Todd is uh, famous for his, his <laughs> working while pa- paying very close attention to the camera. <laughs> Which really, uh, yeah. What's really great about that is that on Todd's microphone, it actually has a small mirror. So... <laughs> For a while now, uh, we were watching what Todd was watching in his small mirror, <laughs> and now he purposefully sets that up in meetings. He puts weird, blinky things in that spot. <laughs> yes, it's uh, it, it's not it's not an actual mirror. It's a little chrome knob on my yes, the chrome stand. knob. Yeah, it's our mirror. Um, I think one of the things I did wrong uh, and still struggle with to some extent is just you know, straight up dominating the conversation as, as a leader, as kind of a type A personality, I tend to kind of put myself in the kind of the lead of the conversation. Um, but often as we've talked about before, the meetings are, are really more about, um, gathering information and then eventually making a decision rather than leading everybody to the conclusion that I already wanted. So there, you know, we'll, we'll be talking after a little bit about things we did to improve. Uh, but that was definitely something I did wrong. Well, I'll finish up. I, I do lots of things wrong. If I'm in a particularly good mood, I get particularly jokey and I do treat the meeting perhaps possibly like the audience of my stand-up routine um perhaps <laughs> which I, which i find hilarious and i'm really and it's to, to be to defend myself i actually never want to do something that's fun for me and unfun unfun yes that's a word it's true uh, unfun for others um i do and when i'm told about it later i do feel uh, I do regret doing that. So it's not intentional. Like I, I hope I'm not self-centered. So I do that sometimes. Um, sometimes like Jamin, him and I both tend to dominate the conversations and we're both bad at that. And we're both in a meeting and we're both in the mood, you know, it could be a pretty useless meeting for everyone else attending and just listening to us drone on together or against each other or whatever. To be clear, uh, it's usually really great content, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's why we started a podcast. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Um, just so we could drone on to you poor people. But exactly. um, <laughs> uh, So there's that. I have not, I prided myself in having good meetings and stuff, but to tell you what, at a certain point, and I don't know what point that is, but a certain number of people in our company I crossed a threshold where I think my skills weren't good enough. And I think it's hard. The biggest challenge I've had is to get interaction with 25 people in a meeting. You know, with 10 people, it was was pretty straightforward to get everyone interacting. With 25 people, it's been very challenging. And I feel like I failed at that and just recently been working on that problem quite a bit because I don't like lecture meetings personally i don't like attending them i don't like giving them but sadly a lot of my meetings have turned into lecture meetings just because i can't figure out how to not do it although we are working on it i think we've discovered a few things so 
Yeah. I, I want to give you credit there, Todd. I've been to some of your meetings where everybody's laughing, everybody's interacting. And I think that those are the smaller meetings that they're easier to control. Um, and if you've got a lot of people and perhaps, you know, they feel uncomfortable laughing and talking and being interactive, um, then maybe the it doesn't work like stand up does. The, you know, the, where you have more people in the audience, the, the worse it is, because we're all sitting there muted. <laughs> and it gets more and more difficult. You walk in there and it's like, is this a hostage negotiation? <laughs> no, it's a Todd meeting. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm, I have a pretty thick skin and I'm pretty, I don't, shame isn't a big thing for me. So I can handle being up and taking, making jokes and having mm-hmm. tw- 24 people stare blankly back at you. Um, but the truth is people see that to happen to me or whomever, and they don't want to get up and say something because mm-hmm. that can be excruciating. And so it creates this feedback loop of no one interacting, um, which is not ideal. I think, uh, I think one of my other <clears throat> big things that I've had to work on is really staying focused, especially, especially when, you know, maybe what's the current topic isn't super interesting to me, or maybe the person's kind of droning on a little too long. This, this is sort of thing that has always been a little bit of a, an issue for me, just paying attention in, in those contexts. Uh, I've, I've worked on it and I've gotten better at it. Um, but it, it has been one of those things where I actually, I've found that taking notes usually is the best way to, to fix that. And I do that during sales meetings. Uh, sales meetings are a good example of this where I'm meeting with a potential client. I'm taking notes because that really helps take, you know, keep me on, on topic and, and focused. I will say, Jim, and you're especially bad at that. Um, if oh, you're not, in- I, I appreciate that, buddy. <laughs> if, if, if you're not interested in a subject, if you had a sign above your head that says, I completely don't care flashing, it would only be slightly worse than the look on your face. <laughs> does, does, is my uh, face right now count? Or <laughs> I, I get it, like. You know, some of the stuff is just, and in, in, in I, when I see you doing that, I do try to take that as a cue that <laughs> if I, I'm not keeping James attention here, um, or whomever, but, um, uh, I would say that's probably one of your biggest things. My biggest things is if I'm in a particularly good mood, I treat it like a fun session for Todd. Or if you're chatting with someone, uh, on Slack, then it's really hard to hold your attention. You know, oh, that's oh, another one. Yeah. And we, we, especially the three owners and Justin included, we know each other so well now we can see, we can pick we, up on it. Really we can fast. see through the BS of pretend <laughs> listening, <laughs> but, um, cool. So thanks for that. That uh, being vulnerable, uh, is never easy being vulnerable on a podcast that will be out on the internet is, uh, less easy. So thank you. I appreciate that. Now that we've talked about how horrible we are, let's talk about how, how we've addressed some of these problems, techniques we've used that we know work, maybe things that didn't work. And also talk about a few of our kind of systematic cultural systems that we put in place. Actually, let's start with that one. Would someone tell us about our finger system? Well, first off, can we not call it the finger system? Yeah. Todd, come on, man. <laughs> What's it called? It's so, the system. Uh, yes, we have a Q system. Oh, okay. uh, so we, uh, we actually came up with it for this podcast because we were 
we were talking over each other and it makes it very difficult on the editor to uh, to pull everything together. Uh, also just hard to kind of keep a flow going. Um, and we've been actually been using this system as we're as we're uh, doing this podcast because it's just so ingrained in us at this point. I wrote an article about it. Um, it's up on our blog. Uh, we'll probably link to it here in the show notes, but it's uh, it's titled uh, How Infinite Red Improved Remote video meetings with a few hand gestures. <laughs> and essentially, uh, you know, we, we got feedback from people as well in, in other meetings that was essentially like, uh, you know, I, I don't want to make it hard to have a natural conversation, but people should be allowed to express their opinion without someone starting their own their own opinion right in the middle of it. That was one actual quote from the article. And then another one, I want to make sure people are able to share their opinions without having to fight and be aggressive. Um, so, no problem for me to get a word in edgewise. If I need to, I'll jump right in. I'm a you know pretty forceful personality. I can do it. But uh, that's not everybody at Infinite Red. We don't want everybody at Infinite Red to have to be that way. So we came up with a, a queue system. Uh, essentially, the way that it works is if someone's talking and you want to go next, you first kind of survey the, the Zoom room to see if anybody's done this uh, yet. And uh, you just put up one uh, finger, your index finger, to say, I'm next. Um, you know, number one. Uh, in in the queue. And then uh, if someone already has uh, the first spot, then next person puts a two and so on, three, four. Um, if you have a quick interjection, you put a zero, uh, just make a, an O with your with your hand and that kind of indicates, hey, I just have a quick interjection that shouldn't be misused to be something that's just like, uh, you know, you're going to drone on for 10 minutes. This should literally just be like, I didn't understand what you just said. Can you say it again? Or, or I just had a quick thing I needed to interject here. And then the original person continues on. If nobody's talking, if you just kind of have some silence, which is very hard for Todd and me to endure uh, some silence, but it does happen once in a while, uh, then you're free to just go ahead and start talking. Um, But of course, kind of look around the room. We also have added some kind of hacks to this. For example, sometimes I have something to say, but you know what? It's kind of moving on to the next subject. I don't want to derail what's going on right now. I'll just nobody else is like talking or nobody else has their, their fingers up. I'll just put a three anyway. And that just shows everybody that, hey, if someone wants to jump into position one or someone wants to jump into position two, I'm low priority. I'll, I'll go third. It's no problem. Um, and this this hand cue system is actually moved outside of Infinite Red because of this article. Um, I believe uh, Envision has adopted it now. Uh, they're, they're starting to use this system. Uh, they said something about it on, on Twitter the other day, and there's a few others that have also adopted it. It's kind of moving out across the, the nation. I've even heard people say that they've used it in in-person, face-to-face meetings. It's actually helped them there. So I'm very proud of that system. It's something that we remind each other sometimes and before a meeting starts, we say, you know, hey, reminder, we're using this uh, queuing system. And uh, yes, unfortunately, it does become known as the finger system. It does. For some reason. It's just, you're using your fingers, I understand, <laughs> like queue up. Uh, but for probably obvious reasons, I'd rather not call it that. Uh, yes, Gant. Gant has his finger up. This is a perfect example. You I, I can't do. see this as an audience, but no. Gant had his finger up. He was like, I need to go next. So go yeah. for it. And, and the tidbit I was, that I wanted to add on to Jamin here is that it's actually going to be in a book that someone's publishing and they sent us an early copy of the book. So that's really cool. As a little bit of a tip, if you have a bunch of people in a meeting, take your socks off if you want to be person 11. <laughs> <laughs> 
So uh, this is so widespread. The other day on the freeway, a driver behind me used the system. And no, he, he was telling no. me I was. He was telling me I was number one, and he seemed very excited about it. He wanted to talk next, huh? <laughs> Did you pull over and talk to him? And Todd's I, like, "Not until I'm done, dude." <laughs> Try. I hadn't finished my drive. <laughs> cool. Uh, the next one, I'll just take real quick. We talked about this before. I'm pretty sure. Maybe we haven't. Uh, I know we've talked about it in the podcast, but it's our clue system. And it's the way we manage meetings. And we've created a piece of software that's just internal, which is basically the clue board. And it represents all of our meeting rooms so everyone can see who's in what meeting, they can join meetings, they can schedule meetings, that kind of stuff. Uh, there's a lot of different systems out there for that. That's just, we just created one that's the clue board. Um, so that's very helpful for starting meetings and knowing where people are in meetings, but it doesn't really affect being in meetings at all. It integrates with uh, Zoom, so it's very cool because you can see who's where. And one thing that's very interesting about it is once we started using it, the awareness of what was happening across the co- uh, the company went way up. As a remote company, you can't just look over and see, you know, oh, Justin is meeting with Yant in the mm-hmm. conference room B. Um, but now we can. We literally can go see that uh, Justin is meeting with Gant in the study <laughs> or the conservatory or wherever we are right now. This this is the sort of thing that actually made a, a much bigger impact than you would have expected a simple tool for clicking into a conference room to do. Yeah, when I see Jamin and Gant meeting alone, I literally, I'm not even joking, go in there and the first thing I asked is, are you two plotting against me? Yes. Which, you know. No, literally the answer is yes. <laughs> uh, Justin, can you talk a little about what we've done to make meetings better, techniques we've used, things we've maybe tried that totally bombed and we didn't use? Definitely. So actually one of the things that comes to mind for me is that I'm kind of on the opposite side of the spectrum of, of possibly you and Jamin Todd. Uh, I don't quite interject as much. I'm a little bit more of like, I'll kind of sit back and then people want to hear uh, the voice from me a little bit more. And so one thing we've done is we have chat open at all times in Zoom. And so if people have ideas, but they don't necessarily want to interject right in the middle of a meeting, sometimes there's like 20 people in a Zoom room, uh, they can put it in chat and somebody will read it. And I've noticed a huge uptick in people who are able to put in ideas and still get heard at the same time without necessarily having to stand up and talk in front of everybody. And I think that's been huge. Yeah, that does work very well. And we encourage it and it's totally fine. We ask people, especially during the all team, not to slack, but to use chat. So um, not everyone likes to speak, especially in a big uh, group. We totally are understand that. And, uh, and we don't want to, you know, make people hate coming to meetings by forcing them to do something that that makes them anxious. But one thing I should mention is that <clears throat> this this queuing system we came up with is pretty pervasive within Infinite Red, but it's not a replacement for human empathy. It's still really important that we all actually care about making sure that people are inclusive. It's just more of a way to remind us. So, for example, if uh, if I just start talking uh, after someone just finished, it, it someone else's any any other uh, attendee is perfectly. Um, welcome to say, ah, you know what? Uh, Justin had his, his finger up. He wanted to, to talk next. Totally. Okay. Y- you can interrupt the CEO. You can interrupt the CTO, anybody. 
um, the, the, that system takes precedence over the others. And we also, I think it's just, uh, I think this is a big one. Todd's been very good about reminding everybody. Uh, but we also state who the meeting organizer is or ask who the meeting organizer is at the beginning of the meeting. And, and Todd, do you want to maybe talk about why that's important? Yeah, just real quick. Um, it's especially with someone like Jamin and I are both in the meeting. We'll both naturally just try to run the meeting because that's we're leaders that's our job we lead um so it's real simple beginning of a meeting i say whose meeting is this even if i know so that everyone knows and jed will go jed our project manager will say i'm running it and now i know i'm a participant and i'm not expected or have responsibility to lead it which actually is nice for me because then i can just participate totally gant you had your finger up using the finger system the transition to this is a little bit off, but sure. I, you know what? Another thing that I'll say is that the finger system is not always implemented. We do have different types of meetings. For instance, for sure, finger system would be a terrible implementation in a creative meeting. If everybody is sitting there and you're saying yes, and other people are cutting each other off to, to come up with a new idea, that's when the finger system is actually holding back creativity. And so for this, I, I like to say that we have gigs and we have jams. Um, when we're all sitting there and we're excited and we're talking to each other, that's a jam meeting. Honestly, I'd say leaders rarely get to be involved in these kinds of meetings because <laughs> we're kind of expected to sort of have a structure in what we're talking about. But I really enjoy some of the meetings where it's a brainstorming session. Even if it is led by someone, we kind of are happy to have someone interrupt you excited by your idea. So we don't always have to use the finger cueing system, but it's a great way, especially as you scale with more and more people remotely and they're all plugged directly into each other's ears. You can't have a conversation off to the side. We have to be courteous. I've noticed that sometimes um, we just slip into the, the hand cue system when it actually kind of feels like it's necessary. So we might start off the meeting kind of just doing it more loose. Totally. And then, they, then it starts getting animated and people will start raising <laughs> their finger because it's like, hey, I mm-hmm. want a chance to talk here. <laughs> and then we just kind of move into it. I think that it's actually become a part of our culture. I think uh, if anybody, you know, kind of thinks of a, a video conference and they have skepticism around it, it's usually because one person starts going and then the next person starts talking at the same time. So you get more of like a, <laughs> I want to, uh, nope, oh, go for it. And then, and then it just keeps happening and happening. And I think the hand key system uh, helps that a lot. And the more you hear people like tripping over each other, the more you probably should kind of start moving into the hand key system. Just like the meeting organizer, we also try to communicate what type of meeting it is before the meeting. We're not always great at this. Uh, we we should get better at that. We really should. And and Gant wrote a great article about it. Uh, Virtual meetings have types. We'll link to that in the show show notes. Uh, please check that out as well. I think it's very helpful. Yeah, that's that's something I, I think I'm going to work on is, is this a gig or a jam? Also, sometimes it's very rude to be part of a meeting where someone isn't paying attention. But we have situations where someone can't attend the meeting but they'd like to put in the background to listen for important stuff in that case what we've been starting to do is say jamin can't really attend this meeting full attention but he's listening for his name and stuff so he's gonna be working so everyone knows that jamin's kind of off in the corner and and don't be insulted that he's not listening and don't ping him for no important reason 
Yeah, totally. That that is helpful. It's just, again coming back to empathy for where people are and what they're doing. Yeah. By the way, how did you come up with the names Gig and Jam? And we have people maybe where English isn't their first language. So what what do those mean? Yeah. Uh, so what was really funny is trying to actually describe these two different types. And what was really funny is it just seemed like a cutesy term I actually worked with quite a few people that especially if you're a musician, this will kind of click. Um, you might get a bunch of people together to jam and there's no set list. There's no, this person has to play this part. We're going to play this song next in a jam or a jam session. People are just, um, sort of finding the rhythm together and they're building something together. Whereas when you're actually going to a concert and you play a gig, they have what song is going to be played next almost always. Now, of course, in smaller concerts, they could be like, what song y'all want to hear? But uh, for the most part, they have essentially what song's going to transition to the next one to the next one. The lights are all cued for this. The sound people know what's coming in. So it, it can't be changed. And a gig is more of a rigorous um, table of content style. Uh, it also lends itself to a finger system. It's just a little bit more structured as opposed to just getting together and jamming on something. One of the things, this is a problem that I'm pretty sure I created, and we just <laughs> uncreated. Oh, he finally found it. Oh. <laughs> we, we, oh. uh, <laughs> but we just fixed it, and the fix was significant. So we're going to share this with you. So basically, when we have our all-team meetings, we have 20 two to 30 people depends on the time in our company and that kind of stuff. And a lot of people, you know, cause we work remote doesn't mean you work at home. It means you work where it's best for you at that particular day on that particular day. So some people were in noisy, you know, cafes or whatever. So we made a rule during the all team to mute and only unmute when you're talking, which logistically makes sense. Um, that was a huge mistake and we did this for years. <laughs> The reason it was a huge mistake is because it produced what I described earlier. Even if people were like, you said something amusing or you said something people agreed with and they might say something or they might laugh because they're all muted. You didn't hear any of it. And because you're talking and it's hard for you to look at 25 faces, you have no idea. You get no response from the people you're talking to. And it's very disconcerting to the speaker and it really limits the feeling of interacting with each other. Um, I cannot overstate to make people all unmute unless, you know, they are in a cafe and it's just a situation. Hopefully they're not. If the cat's meowing, fine. If the cat's meow, the baby's crying as long as it's not super loud. Fine. Babies cry. Like it's well worth it to deal with the noise. It made last all team. I asked everyone to unmute. I think a couple of people didn't just because of the situation they were in, but most people unmuted and man, did it made a different, make a difference. Would you agree with that, Justin? Do you think that made a big difference? I, I think it made a big difference. It's, uh, it's nice to hear people's reaction. I think it's natural to to pay attention to how people are reacting to what you're saying. Uh, other than a few examples, yeah, it went really well. Uh, a few people were in cafes and uh, there were plates falling down in the background and, and people murmuring. So there are some exceptions to it, but yeah, it's great. 
Well, I just want to say that the affirmation is really key for anybody speaking, especially if you're giving a... So, Jamin and I and Todd, we've presented in front of large audiences before. And just as a person speaking, you find that person in the audience who nods. You find that person who's you're connecting to. And that really gives a great sort of eye contact communication. And I really respect those people. And I think the same thing's really necessary in smaller conversations of 20 to 30 people. You can look and see all these small heads nodding, but there's a silence with it. It's it's a little creepy. When I'm in when I'm giving a live presentation, I find that one person who's nodding, I lock eye contact with them and I do not disengage i do not break that i do not blink i do not disengage that eye contact i feel like it makes them feel very special (laughs) that's how todd and i met yeah yeah so um just just for an hour locked in it's it's my biggest tip for you Uh, to go back to one of your original points todd i think that's actually an example of out of the box thinking (laughs) it is out of the box um yeah so another thing that uh, i would like to talk about and we're starting to do more of this and justin actually pioneered this and a couple of our engineers do it as well but it came up um it came up recently with a meeting that gant was going to do could you tell us a story about the meeting turning into a video yeah you want me to do that uh, it was you in the. It was you. You were the main character of that story. So uh, <laughs> I just want to make sure you I, actually use my name because we're on a podcast. I can I can ask Gant to or Jamin to pretend he was Gant and re- reenact. But you know, welcome uh, friends. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's really good. That's great, actually. What happened was I was trying to get everybody together, and it was just one of those weeks. I could not get person X to actually meet at this time or that time. It was a one-hour kickoff meeting where I was going to go over a slide deck. And I was starting to stress about the inability to find a proper time to get everybody together. And fortunately enough, Todd dropped in and said, you know what? It's basically, it's a lecture-styled meeting. You have some talking points, but they can handle the talking points afterward async. Just do a video. And when he suggested that, it clicked. I could do a fantastic video, go over my slides, explain everything, even make sure that I had the energy amped up and people could always go back and re-listen to things. You did. So I, I actually, what I did was I recorded what was going on in the best mood possible. And I really, really enjoyed it. And then everybody was able to consume essentially a one hour meeting uh, with a 10 minute video. And I, I still, I like the video. If there's any questions that are there need to be answered, I think they were all in there. But I shared a 10 minute video with everybody, it saved them a lot of time, and saved me a lot of energy, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, did you? I, I, when I've worked on doing videos for our team and clients as well, I've noticed it actually helps me refine my message to mm-hmm. the team. Did you notice that doing your video this week? Yeah, as well? absolutely. And the cool thing about it was, I. I did have a moment where I was like, what the hell am I talking about? And I just got a chance to actually say it better. It didn't get a chance to needle into everybody's brains in the wrong sentence whatsoever. Um, It was kind of nice. I was able to give a very clear message. And uh, we should do that a lot more. 
Yeah, I think we should for sure. I think that Justin and uh, <clears throat> some other designers, uh, especially back in the old ClearSight days, uh, they used to do this for clients. Like they would you know, do a presentation mm-hmm. for the client that they'd send over to the client. I remember Mike Wazizak, uh, who was my creative director back then, uh, started doing that. And it was just like an immediate success. Clients loved it. Um, but we didn't really think about doing it between each other until you know, between the internal to the company until much later at infinite red. And, and I think that that's been really cool. One tool that I've used to do this with my engineers is called loom, uh, loom.com. Now it's not gonna, it's not like a full fledged video editing software or anything like that, but it lowers the friction. Like you can just jump in front of it, share your screen, share your video or just one or the other of it, and then just talk to them. And I've done that a few times now, and I'm going to continue to do that because it's definitely been something where, you know, text, like you, you post an announcement um, and people either don't read it or they read it and they get like the worst possible interpretation because there's no body language. Yeah. <laughs> um, but having that video uh, has really made a difference. And, and I've actually been very pleasantly surprised when I've posted them about the reaction. That brings up, not to digress, but it brings up a problem with text communication. Text communication only communicates as well as the writer has skill. Um, mm-hmm. I think I probably mess up my communication more than most, meaning the people hearing it got the wrong in the wrong tone or the wrong information of what I intended. And a skilled writer will write in a way that that um, communicates what they intended and the tone of what they intended. But, you know, that's more rare than not. And there's another problem with text communication. It's async and order is not um, enforced. So what I think someone has read maybe in some other channel in Slack or perhaps they saw something on Twitter, or perhaps somewhere else, and then I start speaking in that context, the person then comes in and reads in a reverse context, and your message is terrible. Um, When you actually are in a meeting, it is a shared context, it is a shared linear communication. But text, on the other hand, we can't treat it that way. Well, even video that's async, you can get a lot more information across. One of the things, and we haven't tried this yet, but our plan with the new, because we're just starting to do more of these videos internally, is when you post the video, we, we have a channel called IR Announcements, which is you're supposed to read everything that's posted in there, and we try not to post too much, anything extra. But the plan is to post the video and then tell people list the people who have to watch the video and then everyone else is optional. So you're in, you know, it might be a marketing thing from Gantt to people who are working on that marketing project. I'm not important to that because I'm not involved in that. So he would list out maybe four people who have to watch it. And then I may watch it anyways, because I'm just interested or I may not. And then people in Slack would check that they would they watched it and Gantt later can go look, okay, did the four people that I needed to watch it, watch it. And you don't really get that chance with a meeting because, uh, people wouldn't know upfront whether they should, you know, join. And they certainly may not have time at that time, or it may not be worth it to watch it or to attend at that time. But, you know, at four 30, they're about to head home or quit for the day. It might be worth it then. So, uh, having the asynchronous asynchronousness of the the video uh is is actually a, a pretty big deal yeah another 
uh, another technique that we just started implementing. And so we can report back later how well it's working, but so far it's been working great. For the three owners, especially Jamin and I, who are very, you know, we're, we can, we can dominate a conversation easily. Um, for people like Justin mentioned that he's more, he's not that way. It's not his personality. And Jamin mentioned, we don't want a company of people like us because that would be really annoying, um, <laughs> to be honest. So one of the rules I came up with, we just started piloting and so far it's worked out great. In certain meetings, the owners wait 15 seconds before they respond. So something comes up. Um, someone says something and instead of us jumping in and sharing our opinion, cause we always will, whether we know anything about it or not, doesn't matter. Um, we wait 15 seconds, which creates this awkward silence and allows other people who aren't as, you know, uh, aggressive come in. Um, and if they don't come in after about 10 seconds, you'll get people who normally wouldn't come in at all just to fill in that silence. And so far, I don't know if you all agree, but I think it's actually been pretty amazing Gan is now waiting his 15 seconds <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was I was waiting 15 seconds to say I liked it so Justin as not one of the people who bulldoze meetings have you enjoyed that Wow, that's some real in the yeah, box thinking. The, 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 lo- the, the long pause, the long pause joke does not work in podcasts. No, it doesn't. You're just making the editor hate you. It's tough. <laughs> yeah, true. No, it's uh, it's made a, a big difference. It's it's nice because I noticed right around the between eight to twelve second mark is around where people start jumping in uh it's just the right amount of uncomfortableness that it makes somebody who's not comfortable talking <laughs> wish they were talking rather than sitting in uncomfortable <laughs> silence so they go for it so funny <laughs> well that was really interesting i think a lot of people uh have passionate opinions about meetings often negative i think hopefully you all can relate to some of the things we said and hopefully some of those techniques can help you improve your meetings. It's an ongoing thing. Uh, hopefully we suck less than we used to suck, but I'm sure we still suck because it's a tough problem. Um, and we're going to continue trying things and seeing how they work um, and trying to improve. And as leaders or someone who's building their own business, as long as you're trying to improve, you're doing better than a lot of leaders. So uh, keep up, keep up on the trying. Anyways, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Building Infinite Red, and we'll see you next time. As this episode of Building Infinite Red comes to a close, be sure to check out this episode's show notes. We love it when the listeners to Building Infinite Red leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or give us a shout out on their social channels. Feel free to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Have a question for the owners? Reach out to them on Twitter. Their Twitter handles are on the show notes page. Or you can join the hashtag podcast channel on the Infinite Red Slack community at community.infinite.red. Thank you so much for listening to Building Infinite Red. We'll talk to you next time.